Thank you for listening. This is Israel Rebound, a podcast featuring conversations with people in Nebraska and other places to Israel to share ideas around culture, current events, and other exciting things that we find time to talk about. I'm joined, I'm Alan Potash in um, Palm Springs, and I'm joined by my co-host Liz Felstern in Jerusalem. Liz, how are you doing today? I'm I'm doing very well and ready to talk about all of those sundry and other things. I was ad-libbing. Go for it. I, I, I don't know how we can talk today and not talk about what's going on in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I've been to Ukraine several times and I've just, my family comes from that area, the Pale of Settlement, where many of many of the Jews of America have come from. It's hard not to think about what's going on there in 2022 when, you know, the world is pretty um, peaceful at this time, although there's, there are always conflicts, but this one is um, for me, hits home a little bit. My family left uh, well over 120 years ago from the area, been to Kiev multiple times, and I'm concerned about the safety and health and well-being of people in Ukraine and also the remaining Jews that are there. What kind of coverage is, this taking place in Israel? Um, so first of all, I want to say, I think a lot of people feel as you do that this conflict, you know, does hit home in a, in a, in a different way than others have. And I don't know if it's because we thought in 2022, we had somehow passed the point in history where there would be out and out armed conflicts or, after COVID and everything going virtual for so long, the idea of that kind of a, you know, tangible conflict seems foreign um, or what it is. But but I think people are reacting to that. And the Jewish community has this added layer of having so many um, people who had family roots there or still have family there. You know, Ukraine is one of the largest Jewish communities in the world today. I mean, 200,000 Jews, right? That puts Ukraine just after Israel, the United States, uh, France, England, I think, and and Ukraine, right? It's it's a very large Jewish community. Um, In terms of reaction in Israel, I think... It really runs the spectrum because we do have significant populations of people who came from Russia, people who came from Ukraine. Um, And so there have been all sorts of reactions here. But in terms of the coverage and sort of what's expected, I think that people, I'll, I'll say two things. One, I think that people, even the sort of military pundits and people that have been speaking on the news for the past several weeks um, and talking about what they thought might happen, I don't think that anyone expected this. I think it has become uh, more violent more quickly than than anyone was really expecting. Um, And the second thing is that even in the days leading up to, you know, this past Thursday night, when really we couldn't say that the the war began, 
I am the thinking even amongst Ukrainians was that if if there would be a war or an incursion that it wouldn't that it would end very quickly. And that does not seem to be what's playing out and so I think people are now sort of trying to um digest what what does it mean if this is going to be a protracted conflict. Yeah, you've hit on several things. One that uh, came to mind that I did not think about is that over the past 30 some years there've been over a million uh people from the former Soviet Union that have made their home in Israel. I'm not quite sure the breakdown of those that came from Ukraine or from Russia or from other parts, but is there uh internal support for Russia in that you're seeing in Israel? Is there support for the Ukraine? I mean for the Ukrainians? How is that playing out in the street in Israel? So I think that while there are people in Israel who hold a whole range of, you know, personal and political beliefs, um what you know bonds us together is the fact of course that it is the Jewish nation and so regardless of you know whether people might have leanings that make them feel closer to Russia or Ukraine or any place else i think everyone shares a concern for you know safety um of everyone in Ukraine and the Jewish community in particular so i wouldn't say that you're seeing you know very disparate sentiments out in the streets. Although I think that that people do have a wide range of beliefs. So I, I, you know, it's just making me think a lot about the fact that one, the president of Ukraine is a Jewish guy by the name of Zelensky. Mm -hmm. And the ties that, you know, the Ukraine and, and Israel have also the ties that Israel has been building with Russia. So Israel's kind of in this difficult spot of how it maneuvers through uh, providing resources or support. I do know that most of the social service agencies in America and in Israel and around the world are trying to provide relief to those in Israel. And as I mentioned at the opening of this, in the trips that I've made to the former, to Ukraine, former Soviet Union as well, uh, is visiting the, the places called chesed's, which are kind of like community centers for the elderly in in Kiev and outside where basic services are being provided. And usually their services being provided to the elderly and most concerned about their well-being and not really sure um, how to find out anything about their their well-being or their conditions. But I think it's important for us to know that you know Jews around the world take some responsibility or take some initiative in providing resources for those individuals. And I know most national Jewish organizations in America are holding relief campaigns. Are you seeing relief campaigns also happening in Israel for those individuals? I mean, certainly I am, right? So full disclosure, right? I work at JDC, the American Jewish Joint Distribution Committee, which is the organization that opened some 30 years ago, all of those chesed welfare centers and still runs them to this day. Um, there are 18 of them in Ukraine. And as you mentioned, those are the, the relief centers that are providing for the, the most vulnerable Jews in Ukraine. So 
certainly the elderly and uh, to a certain extent also uh, families that are very poor with young children or special needs children and, and who, who fall into that category of needing a lot of support as well. Um, and I can tell you that the, the goal of JDC is that no matter what happens with this you know, military escalation, I, I still haven't gotten into the habit of saying war, although I guess we are now officially in that stage. Um, so regardless of what happens with this war, that we will be able to maintain providing for the basic needs of those most vulnerable elderly and families with young children. So to make sure that they have food and water and medicine and for those that are homebound, that they have someone who's able to come in and, you know, help them. Um, right now that is all still happening, although it's obviously much more difficult to do in a wartime scenario. Um, and, uh, and we will continue to do that regardless of how the situation changes. Well, thank you for sharing that and, and providing the insight into the needs that are that are necessary for people's day-to-day survival in a situation like this. There have been conversations about um, negotiation or peace talks where I believe the rumors have it that um, Putin would like to have it mediated by Israel. Are you seeing that at all in in the media in Israel? I I have not seen anything about that specifically. The only thing I saw was that his first offer of where to hold these talks was in Belarus. And and that, you know, Zelensky said, no, I'm not going to sit down with you someplace where I I know how everybody feels and it's it's not (laughs) pro-Ukrainian. But I have not heard talk about who might moderate these theoretical talks should they should they happen i did want to say one more thing just to in terms of how the elderly are faring you know i i said that um jdc is still making sure that basic needs are met and and will continue to do that but just to to give people a little bit of a sense of what that looks like right in in a the middle of a of a war you know, we have lots of home care workers who, because they know that there's no way that they can go back and forth from their own homes and taking care of their their elderly clients, have chosen to stay with the elderly clients for the past three days and haven't seen their own families. Um, and so, you know, even though it is a wildly unusual and such a difficult situation, the the level of dedication is such you know in the Jewish community that the needs are are being met so it is not an easy situation at all but the the most vulnerable elderly are are not being forgotten and are being taken care of well thank you for sharing that and i hope that when we speak next week we'll have a better idea of how they're doing um i'm going to put you on the spot a little bit i kind of referenced the mediation part of of maybe Putin and Zelensky meeting in Israel. I, I know that in an earlier conversation with you, you were in um, Tel Aviv this weekend and made a stop at the uh, Perez Center for Peace and Innovation. I, 
I did. Um, Any yes. opportunity that would be a great place for negotiations on this? Uh, maybe if they want to come, I, I, I think it's a great idea. I'm, <laughs> I'm willing to be the mediator. <laughs> sure, why not? I um, can host them at the Perez Center. Yeah. This, uh, so the, but it's a beautiful center. This is the Shimon Peres Center for Peace and Innovation which seems a little bit like a strange combination of a purpose of a museum, but it fits together quite nicely. And with who Shimon Paris was, the museum does a little bit of telling the story of his life, right? Coming to Israel as a young man um, and uh, his, all of his efforts in, uh, for peace, obviously winning the Nobel Prize, serving as prime minister more than once, serving as the president of Israel. Um, and throughout all of his career, uh, Paris was very taken with the idea of innovation. He was one of the first people to say that Israel should get involved in nanotechnology. He just had this vision that this was going to be the wave of the future and we should do it. Um, and that wasn't the only time where he had really been able to see, you know, where things were headed. Um, and so the museum does a little bit of looking at his life, but also all of the different types of innovation that have happened in Israel from the start of the country. So whether it's in agriculture or healthcare, um, this idea of the startup nation. And, uh, you know, people probably know to a certain extent. I mean, I know you uh, have had connections in Omaha with other companies that deal with drip irrigation, right? That's one of the sort of really well-known ones that this invention came out of Israel. Um, but there are lots of others, the um, uh, mobile eye, you know, on cars that can sense where other cars are around you and uh camera that goes into a pill and you can swallow it for different types of medical um, visualizations. So, I mean, there, there are hundreds of these and they're incredible. And so the museum tells, tells that story and, and of ones that are still up and coming, right. That are just startups right now and maybe they'll succeed and maybe they won't, but you can learn about, you know, what's happening. My transition from the Ukraine to the peace center was intentional to move us from kind of the challenge of taking care of a community today under attack and then looking to how uh, innovation in Israel has been, I would say, one of the key elements of Israel's success and also PR around the world. I mean, the success of Israeli products is huge for its overall representation in the world. But I, I find it kind of interesting that it's the Peace Center and the Innovation Center do they go hand in hand, peace and innovation? I think that they could and should, right? I mean, obviously, peace is an area where we need to have more creative thinkers about how to do it because we haven't gotten it right yet, right? If we're here in 2022 talking about a war that's going on right now, um, then there is still more work to be done to figure out how do we create peace and how do we create lasting peace. Um, and innovation isn't only in the areas of 
technology and computers. And, and the museum actually makes that point that there are other types of innovation as well and social services, et cetera. Um, but in how nations relate to one another in a nonviolent way, I think we're waiting for that startup. Maybe that's something you can work on it, it, with your motivation to bring Zelensky and uh, Putin to the table to cause to create peace. <laughs> I, I appreciated your. I am a certified uh, mediator, but that may be way above my pay grade. I didn't, I, I didn't know that. That's that's good to know. How does one become? How does one become certified in mediation? I took a course and a practicum of like some number of hours as I was doing my master's degree. It was like you could do this extra course and seminar and then you got a certificate so i got a certificate have you put it to work and i've been waiting all of these years for the right time to use it maybe maybe this is the time to dust off my certificate that's great that's a great idea well liz uh thank you for your insight today any other things that you're following in israel you want to share i am no, just, I don't know how all of a sudden it got so close to Purim. Like, I feel like Purim totally snuck in, up on in, us. In, in it two seemed weeks, like yeah. it was never going to come because we had this extra month of Adar. And so we were like, oh, no, no, it's really far away. And now it's close. So uh, costumes have started to appear in the stores here. That's definitely happening. What's the, what's the main costume that you're seeing? I am. What is the main costume that I saw? It's a lot of costumes like the same as in the States, but kind of a few years back. We're, we're always like slightly out of fashion. Superheroes. Superheroes are big. Yes. A lot of Marvel characters. I am. I think unicorns are kind of popular right now. I'm trying to think what other girl costumes I saw. I also saw, which is probably the exact same costumes that you have in the States, all of the Carters, you know, the Carters brand of the baby costumes, like the real fuzzy ones, like the ladybugs and the avocados. Um, so I, we have all those as well. Gila was a big fan of the avocado. She saw and she was like, if I had a baby, I would totally put it in that costume. <laughs> well, maybe like we did you know, for Hanukkah. Don't have it in her size. Maybe like we did for Hanukkah with the links and pictures of Sufkaniot, we need to do a, a page of images of uh, Purim costumes. Sure. Yeah, they'll all be uh, out here. Um, yeah, I don't know what our kids are going to be. We're, we're not entirely decided. I think we have one dinosaur. And... Keila is interested in being Hermione from Harry Potter. And Nishai, I think, hasn't decided if he's too old to dress up yeah, yet. Might be on the might be on the cusp there. He's right on that cusp, yes. <laughs> um, COVID, anything going on with COVID is over with in Israel. I know that tourism is over. There's still up, COVID? What? Uh, no, there there is still COVID. I mean, I will say, you know, we mentioned that I was in Tel Aviv this weekend. So people are definitely still, you know, wearing masks as they should be. It's still required here in all stores, in all public indoor places. Um, 
but I think the pressure has definitely been reduced. Like now that there are no longer quarantines for for kids and uh, home tests are so easily accessible, I think it's just um, right now we're in a good place. I don't want to jinx it, but we're in a relative lull. It's weird that like, you know, doing a nasal swab twice a week and wearing a mask is normal, yeah. but it is. And <laughs> it seems like a, a manageable normal, at least for right now. Well, hopefully it will dissipate and uh, everybody will be somewhat back to normal. I'm not sure what normal is because we're now dealing with the coverage of a war. Um, Liz, thank you for being on the podcast today. It's always a joy to see you each week and to talk about sometimes positive and sometimes challenging topics. But today, I think it was important for us to kind of do a top-down look at Ukraine and how that's impacting the Jewish world. I just hope that everybody is safe and uh, we will talk more about it next week. So thank you again. You've been listening to uh, Israel Rebound, a podcast touching all sorts of different topics with Liz, Liz Felstern in Jerusalem and Alan Podesh somewhere in America. Thank Thanks, you everyone. Wishing for peace.